Hello everybody and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. I'm Aaron Flanagan, joining me this week on the panel, um, as ever, permanent fixture, Matty Lawless. How are you doing, mate? Okay, yeah, very well, thank you. Good stuff, good to have you back. And James Whalen, uh, first podcast appearance for a bit of time, I think this. Yeah, a couple of months probably. Been yeah. out cold. Yeah, but uh, no. Recalled. Yeah, recalled to the lineup uh, for this one. Uh, what we're going to be doing on this? He's podcast. worked hard, you know. He's, he's worked hard and he's deserved the call up. Yeah, he worked hard in training, and uh, <laughs> you know he's got his chance, second chance. Not many people get them. Um, but yeah, um, well, this podcast we're going to talk uh, Premier League football the weekend coming up. Uh, we're also going to look back at the Champions League, a lot of the uh, performances of the big teams. Uh, we're going to start today with Liverpool. Um, we were just saying before we started this. Are we going to start with Manchester United again? But uh, no, we're going to mix up. We're going to go with Liverpool. Um, simply because they were excellent against Red Star. Okay, not the greatest opposition. But uh, James, uh, we, we watched the game together. Red Star, not the best. Liverpool, quite good though. Yeah, obviously pretty modest opposition. And I think anything less than a, a, a comfortable win would, would have been disappointing. Um, but yeah, the manner in which they did it was, was very convincing. Um, I think... It was important for Liverpool that all three of their big big players, all three of that forward line got on the score sheet. Didn't look like it was going to happen for Sadio Mane, despite a, a really impressive performance. Um, he, he obviously had his penalty saved after Mo Salah had gone off, uh, having scored two himself. Um, but, you know, he did eventually get his goal. And I think all three of those players, you know, it seems strange to say it, given the start Liverpool have had, you know, they, they sit joint top of the league. But, you know, there, there's been sort of murmurs about all three of those players perhaps not hitting the heights of last season in particular Salah uh, Mane had a good start but and then sort of tailed off he had a bit of a goal drought before he found the net last night so I think from from that point of view very impressive and obviously Fabinho getting his first start in the middle of the park arguably the best player on the pitch yeah. so um, yeah a lot to be um, happy about for Jurgen Klopp yeah so I've, I've got to say with uh, Fabinho uh, especially I w- there, was a, there was a period um, towards the I was kind of midway at a point in the second half. There's about a ten minute period where he just put in about three or four crunching tackles, and I went, "I'm going to enjoy watching you." Um, it's a bit of a shame that we're not seeing him so much of him yet um, already. Um, back to the front line, uh, Mo Salah. Um, well, he's scoring again, isn't he? That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. So fifth, he's the quickest Liverpool player ever to get to fifty goals. That's uh, right. With about twelve games in hand, I mean that's like yeah. that's a phenomenal feat when it you think really of the plays is. he's up against. I even got one email for earlier saying that um, you got the new yellow Premier League ball coming out this weekend because the clocks go back. Don't forget to yeah. adjust your your timepieces. Yeah. Um, apparently, Mo Salah's the the best with the yellow ball. He scores the most goals, but I guess that's based on the last season, really. But yeah. there's another little stat for you as well. But good good news for for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool. It's, they they need Mo Salah to come for it this time of the year, and um, he delivered with two goals against. Um, Red Star and yeah there was a bit of talk about his muted celebrations but Klopp wasn't too bothered about that yeah. what did you think of it? Um, I, I, I thought it was a bit weird it, we, we, we noticed it straight away when it happened like, why is he not celebrating He's, he wasn't even smiling uh, you saw before the game obviously he looked really relaxed he's waving to the crowd and you know really smiling and he scores and it, it felt like a bit of anger or frustration kind of there that you know he maybe had been underperforming by by his own standards. I don't think he was necessarily underperforming. I don't think uh, it's I don't think it's anything to really worry about. I think it's probably a mixture of the frustration, like you say, and that you know he probably hasn't had the starts this season that he would have liked. Even though you know he scored plenty of goals, you, you seem to forget he's, you know picked up one against Huddersfield at the weekend. He scored another two last night. Uh, but I think an, another part of it is just the opposition. You know, yeah. he, he should be scoring goals against them. Yeah, you know, quite right. We we saw. 
you know, I think we had a quick discussion last night. We were trying to sort of who's their equivalent in this country, and a colleague of ours suggested Newcastle. And I, I don't think they're that good, to be honest. Yeah. I, I think I think they're, they're probably a championship team at best. So I think Mo Salah should be scoring goals against them, and uh, that's probably part of the muted celebration. I'd suggest. Yeah, no, if, I think if he's up against either the PSG or Napoli in the group, he probably yeah. does give a at least a fist pump because uh, he didn't even give that. Um, last night um, with Salah as a, and, and the front line as a whole are they doing anything differently this year to last year as to why maybe there's one or two little bit of doubts because I don't think they're necessarily underperforming they're just not quite as ruthless as they were last year but I mean have, have they changed anything in, in what they're doing? Uh, not that I can see I think it'd be interesting with Fabinho coming in I mean percentage of passes he's playing was a lot higher than some of the other midfielders I noticed so Perhaps that might be be a reason behind it, but I think that w- what you'll see now is they're playing. They've got Cardiff on on Saturday. They should be scoring more goals, so that'll be the that'll be the real sort of test for Liverpool whether they can go back to their prolific ways against teams like that. But this, so far this season, yeah, the, like Huddersfield, you, most people had that down as like three or four nil, didn't they? But I suppose beating Red Star by four goals just goes to show you what they are capable of yeah. of doing. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the Cardiff game in the Premier League. Is this a bad time to play Cardiff because their their tail's obviously very high? Got that that win uh, against Fulham, and it wasn't just a win; they put four goals past Fulham. Uh, I know everyone's putting goals past Fulham, but you know, yeah. but they're, they're, Cardiff, who have been notoriously low scorers, scoring four. I mean, they're, they're going to be riding crest of the wave. They, they'll be really. This is up a massive this game for them. This is the biggest game of the season for Cardiff, and um, the atmosphere should be fantastic, even though it's the early game. So it is a bit of a tough place for Liverpool to go, but. I can't see Cardiff getting anything from this. No, really can't. No, no, I can't. I think it's uh, yeah, a bit of a tough one. I, I think Liverpool will um, probably maintain their level of uh, kind of ruthlessness. Um, I think they, they had a bit of they, they had a bit of swagger against them again in the Red Star game. I think that's what I got from Liverpool that they they were just playing with a little bit of freedom, probably because they knew what the opposition were, and I can imagine the exact same thing happening with Cardiff. Um, although. James, you, you support a championship team who obviously saw what Neil Warnock did to good championship teams last season. How would you expect Cardiff to uh, approach this game? Well, I'll, you know, as you say, they're going to be confident having scored four, but I, I don't think, to go back to your original question, you know, is this a bad time to play them? I think if you're Liverpool and you're a team that should be challenging for the title this season, you shouldn't be worrying about playing Cardiff or Huddersfield or you know any of these promoted clubs or clubs you'd expect to be in the lower echelons of the league at any at any time, especially on home ground. You know you'd, you'd fully expect Liverpool to um, to see off see off Cardiff quite comfortably. That that's not to take anything away from Cardiff and the job that Neil Warnock did last year. We've seen it time and again. Um, he gets teams into the Premier League. That's when his teams generally struggle when they do get up there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be amazed if it was anything other than a home win, to be honest. So I'm having one of those days. I just remembered it's at Anfield. It's not a cup yeah. at all. But um, well, it'd be a great atmosphere at Anfield. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the 1230s <laughs> are a bit strange, aren't they? They're not quite the, uh, yeah. the fabled atmosphere that An- Anfield... They had a power outage uh, last night as well, didn't they? Which, oh, did which, they? Uh, yeah, in the main stand. But I think... Um, yeah, it's going to be a real tough trip for Cardiff. That, um, but you know, they might might feel they can hit Liverpool on the break and get something yeah. out of it. Yeah, I made a bit of a joke last night about the uh, the famous Anfield atmosphere when when the fourth goal went in. Yeah, no one stood and, up, and it, and it was just <laughs> just people just sat down and clapped. Yeah. It was a hey, but it's like, it's <laughs> like any team. I mean, I think Liverpool often get sort of 
uh, unfairly sort of tarnished with that because every game's expected to be the best atmosphere in the world. Yeah. So half twelve against Cardiff, it's you know most people have not even had a had a beer by then, have they? <laughs> yeah. And and I think that what you say there probably goes back to Salah as well. You know, if yeah. the crowd aren't feeling it, then. Yeah, then the, yeah. the players probably aren't as well. It's uh, routine mind stuff. Mind you, Man City players celebrate every week, and there's not there's not a lot of uh, encouragement from the crowd there. I would say. Or the manager. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that was Aaron Flanagan who said that. Manchester City fans, in case you're wondering. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not getting into it. Um, <laughs> moving on from Liverpool, anyway. The other Saturday games. Saturday is just full of basically the bottom to mid half. It's not the best the Saturday, is it? Let's be um, honest. It's not. It's the sort of match of the day that you might not mind missing. Um, on Saturday night uh, but I'll just run through the other fixtures on Saturday before we go on to Sunday and obviously all the well what will be the bigger fixtures of the weekend uh, Brighton versus Wolves um, intriguing sound, kind of sounding game because Wolves obviously coming off the defeat to Watford uh, Brighton for me shouldn't be in a relegation battle on paper I think they're actually reasonably good had a good um, win at Newcastle, didn't they? Yeah very much needed as well that's, I think that's the sort of game they maybe wouldn't have won ordinarily or previously um, so yeah, decent for Brighton. Uh, Fulham against Bournemouth. Um, uh, Slavisa uh, Jakanovic. Slavisa, that is his first name, isn't it? I, I was getting mixed well, he, up there. He's got two games to save his job, hasn't he? So it's real. Fulham have got to do something. They really have. They've spent a lot of money. Um, I was speaking to a Fulham fan about this, and he feels that they're probably overpaid for a lot of those players. And a lot of clubs have seen them coming because they knew they had money to spend. Um, but sooner or later they've got to make it right I mean defensively been woeful and it, it also like Djokanovic doesn't seem to know what his best back line is yet he he sort of hooked Alfie Mawson who, who he spent 20 million quid on in the summer a um, couple of games ago brought him on in the second half of Cardiff I think you know you've got Callum Chambers have been dragged here there and everywhere they just don't know they've been playing around with the goalkeepers um, you know they just they're just at sixes and sevens at the minute and yeah. that just shows you why they're, they're leaking so many goals they need to get a settled team particularly at the back if, if you can't field the same back line every week or, or you know you're going to have problems throughout the spine the last two years in the championship they played a very similar way to the, the way they're playing now they were they were regularly conceding two and scoring three or conceding three and scoring four but there just has to be, you know, there has to be a balancing act when you go into the Premier League because yeah, the team, that the, you're, yeah, you're up against better attacks, yeah. and they, they're gonna they're gonna pick you off. You know, for Cardiff to score four goals is a real worry for form. Yeah, they should have shut up shop at some point. I mean, I know they're probably trying to chase the game and get back into it, but one point he also made, a friend of mine, was that. Um, you look back at previous seasons he's been in charge and Fulham have started badly yeah. and they've actually this time of the season it's come November they've started to get into their stride a bit so maybe maybe the owners have given him that bit of breathing space yeah. but I think you know the next two games are pivotal going heading towards the next international break that's when we might see our first casualty in the Premier League yeah so not sure who the second game is but obviously this week they're playing Bournemouth who are actually one of the the top goal scorers in the league this season so when you've got a dodgy defence maybe not the opponent that you want but football throws up some strange results every now and again and you never know well it's like you know what for beating Wolves nobody had that down did they yeah true Um, elsewhere on Saturday uh, Southampton against Newcastle um, I'll be honest yeah. that sounds like the least appetising oh, fixture of the Wait, weekend I think Newcastle is, again it's the same situation for them they're, they're, their record's been poor they're bottom of the table yeah. Newcastle United bottom of the table and 
Rafa Benitez is, is funny because any other manager would have been looking over their shoulder by now, would have been out the door. But fans absolutely love him. And there is a bit of optimism, apparently, on the training ground. So uh, North East reporter Simon Bird tells us you can read about that at Mirror Football. And um, maybe this could be the, the turnaround for them because Southampton are a bit of a bit of an indifferent side. They got a point, didn't they, at Bournemouth, which is a good point, I'd say. But they're there for the taking. Their yeah. home record's really poor yeah. as well. Brighton so, turned them over, didn't they? Yeah, I think for, this is a game for Newcastle that, you know, they've been dreadful, haven't they? Let's, let's not, uh, let's not dress it up. But, um, you know, they, this is a game that they could be targeting, should be targeting as, um, as, as a game to get their season back on track, really. They need it. One, one for the geography fans as well. Long old trip. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. There's a long, long way to go home and think about <laughs> Rafa's future yeah. if they don't win. Yeah, it's another one of them that if it wasn't a Saturday 3pm, you can imagine there'd be a lot of uproar from yeah. you know, Football Supporters <laughs> Federation, all things like that. And, yeah. and come out. Um, they might get back 3pm next Saturday yeah. if they're lucky. Yeah. It's a long, old trip. So you've got to be a dedicated Newcastle fan to do that after the season. <laughs> yeah. um, fair play to anybody who goes, uh, you, 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 you're mad, basically. Um, Watford versus Huddersfield. Not if they uh, win, though. No. Not if they win, exactly. Uh, Watford versus Huddersfield is the last of the 3pm games. Uh, Watford on the back of a good win. Huddersfield look doomed. Um, although, yeah. pretty resilient against Liverpool last time out, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it didn't get stuffed, which is a positive, but... You know, Watford, I've, I've uh, had my doubts about them as I've aired on this podcast previously. Give them some credit where it's due and I think they'll win this one easily. Yeah, yeah so uh, interested to follow. Uh, Matty, I'll give you your chance to talk about hey. West Ham. Your, yeah, <laughs> as you always do, uh, you were the 5.30 game. A bit of TV coverage. A bit of TV nice coverage, uh, yeah. Leicester will be uh, a tough game though, a, t- a tough trip. Will be. I actually, I was really impressed with Leicester in the first half against Arsenal. I thought they were the better team. They certainly created more chances. And then Jamie Vardy appeared to run off down a tunnel, and it all changed, didn't it? So, um, whatever, whatever he did, we don't know. Um, but um, you know, Leicester got some very good players there. James Madison's terrific, isn't he? Ben Chilwell. He was involved in the first goal against Arsenal, and that first half, Leicester could have had about two or three. Uh, Burton Leno was very good. I thought. Um, so it would be a tough away fixture for West Ham but they didn't disgrace themselves against Tottenham last week they were good for a point and Hugo Lloris was the man of the match so that tells you everything so West Ham wasn't bad but they've suffered a real blow in terms of Andrei Yarmolenko looks like he'll be out for the rest of the season shocking um, ankle ligament injury that he suffered against Spurs so that's a blow and there's talk already that um they're eyeing up Victor Moses for a return. Victor Moses, of course, he's played just 26 minutes of Premier League football this season at Chelsea under Mauricio Sarri. He seemed to be in favour again when he signed a new deal at Chelsea. He'd been on loan here, there and everywhere and and um, the new manager just doesn't seem to fancy him. So looks like he'll be on his way out in January and that would be a good signing if, if they can make it happen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so with West Ham, what, where are your season expectations now? Because obviously you had the, the bad start, you now hit another bit of a lull. After, yeah. after they kind of it looked it's like still, everything was coming together that's right I mean the uh, sorry the Brighton defeat kind of stopped West Ham in their tracks but they they did improve against Spurs they looked alright so I'm not panicking just yet I think a top half of the, of the table finish should, should be the target but the real focus for West Ham should be next week when they play Tottenham again on Wednesday in the Carabao Cup two days after 40, less than 48 hours after Tottenham play Man City at Wembley so there's a real opportunity to uh, get through to the next round in the Carabao Cup and hopefully hopefully um, be on course to win the first piece of silverware in my lifetime yeah uh, if you, is it really that, that long yeah I mean I've mm-hmm. never seen West Ham win a trophy their oh. last 
trophy was in 1980. Blimey. All right, okay. So Six uh, years before I was born, for all those uh, wondering. <laughs> yeah, so uh, finally... Uh, 38 years in total, that is. Bit, I was going to say a bit of optimism, but, you know, um, I'm sure it'll come crashing. But t- it'll t- come crashing now. Yeah, the, the, bubble, the bubbles <laughs> will be burst somehow, mate. Don't worry about that. But yeah. I think um, if I was a betting man, my money would be on Leicester to win yeah. this one, 1-0. Yeah, oh, fair enough. On to Sunday, because uh, all the bigger teams uh, are playing on Sunday and Monday. Uh, and El Clasico on Sunday. El Clasico is on Sunday as well. Um, it's, it's a bit of a, just quickly on El Clasico, and yeah. we we're going to talk Premier League. Um, if, if it seems really weird going into this game because you've got no Lionel Messi because of injury, no Cristiano Ronaldo on the other side, and now you've just kind of got this. I don't know. You've got two teams who have been I underperforming. Think, I think the league has felt like that in general this season. Hasn't it just, it? It's just it, sort of. I I I'm, I wouldn't. I'm not actively going to go and look out to go and watch that game. Um, I mean, I'm going to be here in the office, so it'll probably be on. So I'll probably watch it. But you know, it's not like I'm I'm excited for it, which I normally would be in El Clasico. It's a it, I mean, little. Messi and Ronaldo have been key, like the front and central of this fixture for a decade now or more. Um, to have neither of them playing is certainly going to be strange. Um, add, add that to the fact. I think I think the the biggest narrative of it all is that Barcelona could basically have. Uh, Julian Lopetegui out of a job. It, you know, if, if if they win the game, as you'd probably expect them to do, um, on current form, you know, I, I don't see how how Lopetegui recovers from that. Uh, he's pretty lucky to get the midweek Champions League game, um, yeah, a, a banker fixture on paper against Victoria Pulsen, but uh, they only just scraped past them. Too well, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I so, think someone said to me they're trying to pay tribute to Ronaldo this season um, by being seventh in the table, um, <laughs> but when you look at it, I think. There's some quotes floating around from Stephen Maneman, who played for Real Madrid. Real Madrid, you know, the the team who've always spent money on Galactico signings, didn't replace Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, whatever the decision was to sell him, you know, it wasn't a football decision. Yeah. Because you need to make sure you've got somebody else who can come in and, and do what he does, and they haven't. Yeah. And the, people look towards Gareth Bale, okay, yeah, he delivered in the Champions League final, but he's not as consistent, he's not as prolific as Cristiano Ronaldo. And, and he misses half of every season. Yeah, yeah, and I still think Cristiano Ronaldo still had at least two years to to do what he was doing in Spain. Yeah. It, it was a move that happened so quickly. It's you know, strange. It, it, the, um, I, I mean, I, when Ronaldo said them things after the Champions League final, I don't think anyone actually thought this is a man who's going to leave. Nah. Um, they thought he was like a little power play for a new contract. To me, obviously, looking back, I think, I think it was obviously pretty much a done deal that he was gone, yeah. just of how quickly he went through and everything. Yeah. Um, Real Madrid did try to replace him, in, and obviously they got like Mariano Diaz uh, He's back. He's a replacement. But, I mean, we didn't, we but, weren't I mean, talking about him last it, season, It just got we? panic by. Like, they just ended up literally panic by He's who'd been at the club before, yeah. didn't, particularly do that great because he would have still been there and he's come back and alright he might have scored a couple of goals but he's no Cristiano Ronaldo he might wear the number 7 but he's definitely not Ronaldo so what Real Madrid need to do is they need to probably you know I don't like to say managers deserve the sack but Lobotegui he's been on for a hiding since he arrived there on the back on the backdrop of the whole mm. way he got sacked by Spain before the World Cup. And Shambles. I don't think he's ever really recovered from that. And um, he's, he's been a sitting duck ever yeah. since. So what Real Madrid needs to do is identify that next manager and get some proper good signings in, in January. Like, they need an Eden Hazard. Yeah. yeah. However, if they go and beat Barcelona, it becomes a bit of a hero again. Yeah, maybe that could be the catalyst to turn the season around. But for, for me, they don't look like they're going to win the Champions League this season. They really don't. And um, 
I think they'd be lucky if they get anything. It's a bank. big game one way or the other, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. Even, even they win and they kick out the season or they lose and the manager goes and they're, they're back to square one. Yeah, yeah. So Barcelona as well also need wins, obviously. They won their last uh, league game uh, against Sevilla, which obviously was a top of the table clash, but they were they were four league games without a win before that as well. So yeah. it is equally as big from Barcelona. Sorry to hijack the podcast, the Premier League podcast with a bit of El Clasico, but no, it's I just felt it was you know a bit of a talking point. We, we, really. we, Certainly. We, we, we like a bit of European culture on here every now and again. <laughs> um, but, um, you do? You, you went to see a bit of European action in the week, didn't you? Uh, Man United Oh yes so I forgot where I was but it, Yeah no I went to the United Juventus game um, And uh, we'll come on to United now actually because Simply because uh, They play Everton The 4pm game on Sunday um, United uh, Yeah it's a, it's a definitely a good fixture um, I've got to say United um, I, I, I'll be honest I have been very critical of them In the past And I think everybody Watching has. them Live in person Has only Gone to exemplify the fact that I think they're just not a very good so, football team. There's so many issues from that game, mate. Honestly, like you, you, even from Jose Mourinho abandoning his squad to walk from off the bus, they were late again, which is unforgivable. Mm. They, they should have known it should be better. He's he's left the the team bus to walk ten minute journey. Should have got his old team to join him. You know, mm. it was, it was, I don't know. It's crazy. Maybe somebody said maybe he left so he could get some of the UEFA kind of. Um, um, requirements like team sheets and stuff yeah. like that. Maybe he didn't trust someone else to do it for him. But with with the apparent leaks and the moles um, that he's got and he's dealing with, but legends are saying it. He's running out of excuses. He's running out of time. And for me, it's only a matter of time before he does get sacked. And I think Man United are probably weighing up their ch- their options again. You, again, we come to this kind of crossroads of the international break approaching in the next fortnight and it's it's the time when clubs do start to think well do we do we stick or do we twist yeah. when you look at Manchester United so many issues surrounding the club it just seems so dysfunctional at the moment and you've got your star striker who can't score you've got another play, another star who doesn't want to be there it, it's just so many problems it's a great time for Everton to go there and, and try and do a job on them yeah yeah the, the thing that for me that I noticed with the United that, that actually started it was really frustrating to watch they're just not working hard enough. It's what they do off the ball. Like Paul Pogba has his little things when he's on the ball and he's brilliant. Sure. But it's it's not just him. It's every single player on that pitch. When Juventus are in possession, there just wasn't enough pressure on the ball. And Juventus are not a team who are known for dominating possession and playing teams off the park. Yeah, that's exactly what they did to United. And that's they, they made Juventus look e- even better than, than they that, even are. They? No. Um, just because they let, kept like, letting them have the ball. and oh, it, it's almost like they were scared. Hey, that's what well, that's Romelu really Lukaku he's one of the best strikers in the world he hasn't scored in eight games he can't even trap the ball yeah. his first touch is one of the worst I've seen in a long time but we know he's not a bad player he does look a bit top heavy he looks like he's put more muscle on uh, across, across the top half but yeah. whether that's had an impact but he should be one of those players he should be bullying yeah. The be- some of the best defenders in the world and he should be scoring for fun yeah. but he's not getting the service okay you can hold your hands up and say that much but he still needs to do a bit more and, and the team, as you say, they need to work harder mm. to carve out those opportunities for him. But that's, that just, that's just one of Manchester United's problems mm. right now. I do think sooner or later someone's got to give. It, yeah. it will be interesting to see if Lukaku still has the faith of Mourinho this weekend. Obviously playing against his old club but might work yeah. in his favour. He says might he is. Give him something to, yeah. to go at. But no, I agree. I think it's really um, really interesting game actually because Everton have had a decent start on the quiet yeah. Um, another good result last week, and it took them. It took them a while to break Palace down, but I think they always looked the more likely to to score, even though Palace missed a penalty. 
Um, they've got some good players there, haven't they? The likes of, of Sigurdsson and he's Mar- doing well. Mar- Mar- Marco Silva's got them playing the type of football that he wants. He's managed to implement that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Everton, Everton are a team that have gone to Old Trafford in the past and got results. And, and one yeah. Everton so. old boy who's going back to Old Trafford, who finally is justifying his price tag, Michael Keane. I think he's been really good, and um, a lot of Everton fans have noticed it this season. But yeah. he's he's been really he's been assured and accomplished at the back, and I think. It goes to show you that they've got England's number one behind him, Jordan Pickford, saved the penalty last week. So, yeah, it's not inconceivable that Romelu Lukaku's uh, sort of drought could extend to nine games. Yeah, no, so uh, intriguing fixture uh, on Sunday. Uh, the other two Sunday games, I say, we're only going to brush past simply because we're recording on Thursday and there are Europa League games to come and the other two games involve both Chelsea and Arsenal who are playing. But uh, Burnley versus Chelsea is a half-one kick-off. That one's not on TV. Uh, that's only on the Sunday simply because of the Europa League games uh, Crystal Palace against Arsenal is the one thirty game t- TV game and uh, I think that's especially intriguing because Palace showed against Everton without obviously without getting any from from the game they're a good sign I think Palace were actually decent value in that game in the yeah. performance just very dogged sort of performance and it's maybe the sort of team that Arsenal might come unstuck against possibly um yeah, at Sellers Park as well. So, yeah, it could be a tough one for Arsenal. Don't forget, obviously, prior to their Europa League game, Arsenal won this fantastic run of, you know, the, the perfect 10. And they did well the other night. The, the football Arsenal played against Leicester for some of those goals. I mean, you just want to rewind them and watch them over and over again, don't you? Yeah. So, um, we know what Arsenal are capable of. And I think I would expect them to win. But the table's probably been a bit unfair on Palace's performances because... They haven't quite won as many as they would have hoped to do they, at this stage. They're conceding they're not a lot a bad of, side, are they? A lot of late goals. Yeah. I think there's, there's there's a stat going around. I think no team's ever conceded more goals in the last five minutes of games yeah. to start the season than Palace yeah. have, and that's something that keeps hurting them. Yeah. So. They've got a horrific run now, as obviously, starting with this game against oh, really? Arsenal. I think the next four or five are... like I think their next five fixtures were all, all teams who finished in the top six last season I think that's yeah. right or it might be four out of the next five or they've, they've probably got big way, Sam's it, number it, saved somewhere anyway so it's a horrendous the, the Premier League seems to have got more top heavy this season as well if that's even possible I saw yeah. a stat that in the history of top flight English football there's never been more than two teams have won seven of their first nine games until this season and this season there are five yeah yeah, which no, shows you just how top heavy yeah, the league yeah, is. Yeah, no, absolutely staggering. Um, there is one more game uh, this weekend. Uh, it's quite a big one. Uh, Monday night, uh, Tottenham versus Manchester City uh, going to be playing at Wembley. Um, the day after the third NFL game, the pitch is going to be absolutely abysmal, which is not going to help Manchester City in the way they play football. Probably not at all. Um, or Spurs, so, the way they play football. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I just feel like. City don't really have much of a long ball option unless it's Edison and then like massive hoofing kicks that he does. But other than that, I mean, but he changed it up against Liverpool, didn't he? So I wonder if he's going to do something similar at Wembley against Spurs. It just, I mean, Spurs have been stitched up by themselves, haven't they? If it wasn't for this stadium saga, they would have been playing this game at White Lane. Now they've got to play on Monday night, and within 48 hours they've got to play West Ham in the Cup, and then they've got to travel to Wolves on the Saturday. So they've got a real tough week, and they've got to go back. And they're out of the Champions League now, aren't they? That two all draws cost them. Bold statement. Uh, I mean, uh, already. I mean, it's difficult. It is difficult to see them getting through, and they can't. They're they're likely going to need a result at the New Camp on the last match day. But you you look at I look at Tottenham, and I think Inter Milan beatable 
at home, they're definitely winnable. Barcelona, who could have always already won that group, especially given the fact that they beat Inter and they are in pole position, potentially beatable um, at the new Camp. PSV at home, I mean, if they, if they don't win that, then, then it is curtains for Tottenham. I just, uh, I just have that sneaky suspicion that there's uh, something can happen. With, really I think when you've got a team with a goal scorer like Harry Kane, you have a chance in those matches, and I just—it's not impossible, but they're up against it. I mean, PSV. We talk about Red Star being poor. PSV were terrible. I have no idea how they got anything out of that game. I mean, they got a massive stroke of luck with the referee for some reason disallowing oh, I mean, a goal the, the, that was just a shocker. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, just a bewildering uh, decision. And then just two moments of absolute madness. Toby Alderweireld, what is he doing there? Playing with the ball at the back, gets his pocket picked. And then Hugo Lloris, not for the first time we've seen him do this, yeah. rush out for a ball that he's just never going to get to. He's a captain as well, it, he should know better. Yeah. Clat, clatters into his man, 100% the right decision. Red card and, and PSV yeah. go on and burgle a point, which they should have never got. Yeah. No, the, the, they shouldn't have. And Tottenham should have won that game and they, they could have been sitting pretty in that group. Now, like I say, I, I genuinely think they're going to crash out. Yeah, uh, the red card for Lloris actually, I think even if it wasn't kind of the whole you know denial of a goal scoring opportunity all that that, the tackle there's an argument for violent conduct was was like (laughs) dangerous yeah yeah studs Um, up the studs didn't directly connect with his shin but he led with them yeah and it's reckless and running like that's how it really lethal I remember Larice did uh, something similar playing for France against Sweden I think it was last minute about a a year back where, where he came running out he dropped, he dropped an absolute uh, clanger in the World Cup final yeah. that everyone forgets about because yeah. his, team, <laughs> yeah. his teammates let him get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's probably still some colleagues in, in our office though who will try and tell us that Hugo Lloris is the best goalkeeper He's in the world. He's a fantastic goalkeeper, shot-stopping-wise. Well, West just, Ham saw that last week. But, just has the odd brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Spurs Man City, how, 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 do we, how do we see this one going? Will the pitch actually be a leveller? City, by the way, have obviously been sublime in the last few Premier League games and I think because they haven't ran, started running away with the league, a few people have kind of forgotten about that. Just how good they've been. I mean, are, been, are they going to come unstuck at Wembley? I think City will probably rightly still be favourites, but yeah, I think the pitch is is definitely a valid point. Like, there's no way it's going to be in the sort of condition it should be. No, but it won't cut up on Sunday. The weather's not that bad, but it is going to rain on Monday, so it might cut up then. Yeah, that's that's the difference. But it's it's it's, it's still Wembley pitch. It should be alright. Yeah. I might have a few markings on it, but I I, I I think I could see a draw. I could see Spurs scoring for sure. Um, yeah, I could see a one all. I think I'm leaning towards a draw as well. I just feel like City won't be entirely comfortable. City like being comfortable and it, it definitely won't be a comfortable well, I environment. Think Liverpool has shown what, what they can do, what an away team can do at Wembley this season. I think Man City will go there and yeah, they got the players back so I think it'll be 2-0. Yeah, happy days. Um, Right, lovely. Thank you very much, guys. Um, Premier League preview done. Bit of El Clasico. Bit of El Clasico, done. yeah. Um, uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, a decent weekend to look forward to. I say decent weekend. Decent Sunday. To, uh, Sunday and Monday to look I forward to. I can't wait for Leicester West Ham. I yeah. really can't. That's a great game. Yeah. And I, football fans are getting a real treat with that at 5.30 on, on a Saturday afternoon. Are you in the interest of balance, Leeds Forest on at the same time, which will be a cracker. Oh, yeah, I think I'd rather watch that one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right back in my box. But yeah. Um, right, excellent. Anyway. A bit of championship as well. See, look, we covered the championship. Yeah, here we go. See, we're all over the shop these days. Um, we will, uh, say, pick up next week. Uh, at some point uh, during next week, uh, we'll look back at the thriller that is West Ham. Uh, West Ham's trip to Leicester <laughs> um, part of me really hopes it finishes 0-0 so we can kind of go I might, ah, you, you I might, well I might be back I might not who knows Yeah, but um, we will see um, if you don't subscribe to this podcast already 
uh, you can do so. You can get us on iTunes, get us on Spotify, uh, you can get us on Acast, um, get us wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, as I say, we will be back next week after all the action uh, from the Premier League, and uh, we'll review it all then. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you then.